Well, hi there, microbiology people. This is Dr. B, and today we are going to talk lab for a change. And the lab we are going to talk about is the carbohydrate metabolism lab. And this lab is part of a number of similar labs which deal with biochemical techniques, so biochemical reactions that are typical of microbes. And if you wonder why are these reactions important, it's because they are part of the traditional microbiology lab um, identification method. So although these days um, identification using, you know, DNA sequencing, PCR, etc., have become more common, but still in the old-fashioned microbiology lab, these um, techniques are simple, they are not complicated, they are not expensive, and they can provide a good insight of what kind of microbes we are dealing with. So we are mostly thinking about like a clinical microbiology lab when you know a sample has been obtained from a patient and a quick identification is required. Um, we are using these reactions in the lab kind of individually. So, you, you know, we have tubes for this, tubes for that, plates for this. But in, um, in more modern labs, there are actually a number of multi-test systems in which you can test for 20 or more reactions at the same time. And they have been assigned a code. So they, they are powerful enough to, to be able to identify microbes based on these biochemical characteristics. But um, they are usually grouped according to what kind of uh, substance or some kind of which kind of biomolecule they deal with. So that's why we are going to look now at those reactions are some of the most important reactions that have to do with carbohydrate metabolism. Now, you may recall from the metabolism chapter that we consider this carbohydrate metabolism pathways of, you know, basically cellular respiration with this side option of fermentation of being a major metabolic freeway. So a number of other biomolecules, including lipids and proteins, can go that same way, just entering at different time points. So, reminder, we have these large carbohydrates, polysaccharides, think about like starch, for example, that are made of many subunits, monomers, of uh, glucose or other sugars, but particularly in the case of starch, it's just a lot of units of glucose bound together. And these biomolecules first these large polymers are broken down to monomers. So in the case of starch, the uh, microbe or the cell of any kind has to break down the starch to glucose. Then this glucose can enter the, um, you know, gener generic glycolysis, etc. pathway. There are other sugars also that can be metabolized, and usually they are metabolized by just being converted to a more generic uh, sugar, for example, glucose, and then they just follow the same path. 
and um, the uh, reactions are going to try to identify which is the preference of the microbes because some of them, and I would say most microbes, most bacteria, can use glucose. And just a reminder that glucose and dextrose are used interchangeable, they are the same. So most microbes can use glucose and then some of them can use also other sugars and we are mostly looking at you know lactose sucrose which is the same as table sugar but um, you may recall from the special media lab that we had a medium called mannitol salt agar and mannitol is also a type of sugar so when you test for these different um, metabolic carbohydrate metabolic pathways you can test for a number of different sugars because certain bacteria are going to have the ability of degrade certain sugars but not others right so let's get started from let's say the top so the large polymer uh, such as starch um, starch is a large molecule so bacteria usually don't absorb starch it would you know require a lot of energy and difficulty to bring starch through a cell wall for example so bacteria that can metabolize starch they do it by releasing an enzyme and the enzymes that are released to break down slash digest a large polymer are called exoenzymes so there are a number of them and in this case of starch we are looking at an enzyme called amylase so amylase breaks the bonds between glucose molecules so those bacteria that are able to release amylase they can break down the starch outside the cell and then just bring in glucose which is a much simpler thing to do and the test for amylase is done with a a special medium called starch agar so this is an agar that contains starch so you inoculate your um, your bacterium on the on the plate and then in order to know if the reaction was positive and negative you will use iodine so if you mix iodine with starch a very dark complex form you know almost like blackish very dark bluish indigo black color is formed so what you're looking for is clear a clear kind of zone or halo or border around the cell because if the enzyme was able to release amylase and break down the starch then there would be no starch around the colony so that means that would be a slightly clear halo um, this is not always easy to see, so it's recommended that you kind of hold the plate maybe against the light or kind of sideways so you can see the reflection. But again, if it, the cell is negative, you will see the black, that dark color reaching all the way to the border of the cell culture. But those cultures that are positive, they will show this little clear area clear border around that means that amylase was released starch was broken down so therefore there is no starch around the cell and that's why you don't have that dark color 
Okay, so now the cells, the bacteria have sugars available. And we can look at different patterns of usage of that carbohydrate. And there are a number of reactions that look at the ability of a bacterium to ferment um, sugars. So you may recall that when we were looking at cellular respiration, you know, cellular respiration had three parts. Do you remember the names? The first very short anaerobic part was glycolysis, which went from glucose to pyruvate. And then pyruvate had two options. Either it went into the Krebs cycle, there was an intermediate step, acetic coenzyme A was formed, and then it entered the Krebs cycle where the breakdown of glucose was completed with the release of carbon dioxide and all that energy that was kind of harvested into um, high energy electron carriers, NADH, FADH, they would go to the electron transport chain and a large number of ATP was produced. That is an aerobic process. That's a, what we call the cellular respiration. And because it's aerobic, it's often called oxidative metabolism. On the other hand, either because the bacterium doesn't require that much energy or just because it's easier, sometimes the pyruvate will be reduced to some other organic component and that will release just a very low amount of, of ATP because it's basically just the ATP coming from, from glycolysis. But it is enough and it's simple and doesn't require oxygen and again it's much faster. So this is what we call fermentation. So fermentative metabolism does not require oxygen. Now that doesn't mean that it cannot occur in the presence of oxygen. It absolutely can, but it doesn't require it. And a quick kind of overview of what can a bacterium do is done with a medium called the OF medium. So OF stands for oxidative fermentative. And these are agar deeps, which contain, they are green, dark green, and they contain basically sugar, glucose in this case, and a small amount of peptone. Now, I want you to remember that word peptone because it's a very common component of uh, microbiology media, and it's basically a digest of proteins. So if you hear the word peptone, think protein. Um, so the way this test is done is to test the ability of microbe to do aerobic or anaerobic metabolism. So you take two of these OF deeps and you stab them. Remember, for deeps you use a needle. You stab them and then you leave one deep as it is and you put mineral oil on top of the other tube. So you are going to have a an aerobic and an anaerobic tube. Now, inside the tube, there is also a pH indicator. Usually, fermentation makes the pH become more acidic. Think about, you know, like when pyruvate becomes lactic acid. Lactate is one of the most common 
products of fermentation, but there are other acids. So usually fermentation tends to produce a more acidic environment. So if fermentation occurs, then the pH will become more acidic and the pH indicator will turn from uh, green to yellow. And when you evaluate, so you have to leave your bacteria to grow, and then you evaluate the colors that result in the, in the two tubes side by side because you have to look at both. Let's say that both tubes are yellow both the tube exposed to air and the tube that is covered with mineral oil. So that means that there is an anaerobic environment. Well, that means that the bacterium is able to ferment the sugar because you see that it's able to turn the pH acidic both in the aerobic and an aerobic environment. In other cases that you see the uh, aerobic tube, so the one that is not covered with mineral oil, has yellow, mostly on the surface, and the anaerobic tube with the mineral oil remains green. So that means that bacterium cannot do anaerobic fermentative metabolism, and then you uh, classify it as an O. And in the third case, you would have both tubes remaining green. And that indicates that bacterium cannot use um, glucose and uh, instead it's going to eat peptone. And before I forget, um, it's not critical, but the uh, pH indicator name of uh, in the OF medium is called bromothymol blue. Okay, so let's move on to one of the most commonly used tests for uh, fermentation that are the phenol red broth and these are broth that have three basic components one is phenol red so phenol red is a ph indicator which changes ph around the neutral uh, point so that would be around seven so around seven it has a nice reddish color if it's acidic so the ph is lower then it turns yellow and if the pH is alkaline, so it's, um, you know, it's higher than 7, then it becomes this dark pinkish, um, I don't know, burgundy kind of color. And I want you to remember this because we are going to see other pH indicators later that they change at a different point of pH. So phenol red really changes around the neutral pH. So that was the first component. The second component is a sugar. And depending on the type of sugar, we are going to talk about um, sucrose or lactose or dextrose or some other phenol red broth. And the third component is peptone. So again, remember that peptone is a protein digest. So it provides food for bacteria even if the sugar is not available for the bacteria to use, meaning that it, it cannot ferment it. And uh, last but not least, there is also a small inverted tube called the Durham tube inside the, uh, the phenol red tube. So what you do, you inoculate the uh, fermentation tube and usually several sugars are tested at the same time. So in our lab, we tested dextrose, which is the same as uh, glucose. 
uh, we tested lactose and we tested sucrose, then you leave it and it is important that fermentation tubes are uh, evaluated usually at 24 but no more than 48 hours and I will explain the reason of that a little bit later. So what can you observe? If the bacterium is able to ferment the sugar then it's going to turn the pH acidic so you are going to observe a yellow color. So yellow means fermentation and fermentation can happen with or without production of gas it's going to depend on the final product so what you report is either a for acid or a slash g for acid and gas and how do you know if there was gas production you look at the little durham tube so if there was gas production the bubbles are trapped inside the tube and they are very easy to see if the bacterium is unable to ferment the sugar then it will eat the peptone and when proteins are degraded and you may recall you know amino acids they have an amino group so when amino acids are degraded as part of the protein breakdown then they release ammonia and that's going to turn the pH more alkaline so if you see that the tube has changed to this more pinkish burgundish kind of color then you report K for alkaline. Now um, most bacteria not all but most of them are able to ferment glucose that's a very common a feature and then the other sugars are going to be dependent on the type of bacteria. I just want to highlight that lactose fermentation can be sometimes tricky to measure because um, in order for the bacterium to metabolize lactose they have to bring it in the cell, they have to break it down, they have to kind of convert it. So there are some bacteria that um, you know sometimes you will see them as positive sometimes are negative and you know some people call them the slow fermenters the fast fermenters just so you understand that lactose fermentation is not always clear-cut negative and positive as you would see in the case of um, glucose for example now why is it important not to wait too long well there is a finite amount of sugar in the tube. So let's say that you have a happy fermenter, you know, you place it in a fermentation tube of a sugar that they like, and then they start fermenting it. And after a certain time, and again, the time really depends on how much bacteria and how much sugar is there, but it may happen that all the sugar is exhausted. And then the bacterium will start uh, eating the peptone once the sugar there is no more sugar and that means that you may have a tube that at 24 hours let's say it was beautifully yellow showing positive fermentation but if you wait too long and again could be 48 72 hours I don't know but if you wait too long then it's going to show an alkaline color so in this case time is important because um, if you wait too long you may have a false negative result. So next fermentation test which is more complicated 
is the so-called MRVP test. And MRVP stands for Method Red and Volk-Proskauer. And this is a broth that can evaluate alternative or not alternative, uh, well, alternative is not a bad word, can evaluate different kinds of fermentation products. So usually we look mostly, you know, ethanol and lactic acid, but there are a number of different fermentation products and they can be grouped by pH. Some fermentation products are more neutral and some are more acidic. We have been talking about you know, acidic acid as a sign of fermentation. But again, there are many different products and some of them are not that acidic, maybe weakly acidic, but not as acidic as others. So MR is going to test for acidic fermentation products and VP for neutral fermentation products. And the broth is very handy because the same broth can give you both results. But for that, you need to test it with different additional reagent. And this is something different in MRVP compared to, like, let's say, phenol red broth, um, in which you just look at the tubes. You didn't have to add anything. So for both MR and VP, you need to add additional reagents in order to see the reaction. So the way MRVP is done is that either you have two tubes, one with the same MRVP broth, one to test for MR and the other to test for VP, and then um, you just add the reagent separately, or you can just have one, uh, one cube and then you divide it in two and you test one for MR and the other for VP. Another different thing about MRVP is that usually takes longer. So to get a you know reliable reaction, you usually have to wait you know five days and sometimes the whole week. Okay, so for MR you add MR which is methyl red and this is a coloring a pH indicator also, but a difference from phenol red, the turning point of MR is more acidic. So if MR turns red, which is the, um, you know, the positive, the sign of positive reaction, that means that the pH is like lower than four. So a positive MR reaction, methyl red reaction, which would be the tube turning red when you add the MR reagent, means that um, this bacterium has acidic fermentation products. For the VP, you need to add uh, two reagents. So VP1 is also, well, the chemical name is alpha naphthol. And VP2 is potassium hydroxide, so KOH. So you have the tube, you add, um, I don't know, 12 drops of the VP1 reagent, and then you add some more two, three drops of the VP2 reagent. And you usually have to let it sit. So you shake it first and then you just let it sit. It's kind of a slower reaction. And if you see this red color, 
So the reagent is going to sit on top of the tube, and if you see a red color on the surface, that indicates positive reaction. And in contrast to the MR part, VP indicates more neutral fermentation products. So an example is called acetoin. Now, MRVP are always tested together. And usually they go opposite because, you know, one is for acidic and the other is neutral. So usually if MR is positive, VP is negative and vice versa. And last but not least, the uh, um, final exercise that or medium that we tried in the lab were citrate test or Simmons citrate test. And this is a medium that um, is a slant and it has this green color. And it can be considered a selective medium because what citrate tests uh, test for is the ability of the bacterium to use citrate, which is citric acid, as the sole carbon source. So the only carbon source in, the, in this land is citrate, so there are no other sugars or anything around. Now, in order to, for that to happen, an enzyme is necessary. And that enzyme is called citrate lyase. So those bacteria that have this enzyme are able to use citrate and break it down. And those who can't, you don't have the enzyme, they cannot use um, citrate. So if the medium, which again, it's green, turns blue, that is a positive reaction for um, the usage of citrate. And the reason why it turns blue is this is again a, it's actually the same pH indicator that we have in the, in the OF medium, bromothymol blue. So the medium becomes alkaline and then it, uh, it turns the pH alkaline and the color is blue. Okay, so hope this helps um, understanding the uh, carbohydrate metabolic reactions in the lab and the next time we'll be talking about protein metabolism reactions. Thanks.